Welcome to the Nino's Corner Podcast. This is beautiful. What is that, Velvet? Hosted by Nick, Nino's Corner Battle. Damn right. What's up, peeps? Nick Battle, a.k.a. Nino's Corner, man. I just got through watching episode five and episode six of the Last Dance documentary, you know, documented that 98 season and pretty much documented Jordan's career over this 10 part series. But um, what did I glean from this? And Michael Jordan is the most competitive superstar. I think that anybody has ever seen in any sport um, winning fueled him. Um, getting the best of people, fuel, it, it, it fueled him. He wanted to let everybody know that there was no comparison to him, that he was the greatest at what he did all the time. And if he wasn't the greatest at it, he was going to strive to be the best at it, whether it was playing golf, whether it was gambling, whether it was on the basketball court, whether it was anything. Um, One thing that really got to me was uh, when the Bulls played the Trailblazers in their their second um, championship, uh, was it the 91 season? Um, it was interesting because a lot of people you know, always put Jordan and Clyde Drexler in that same category as the top two guards in the league. And they were. They were the top two guards in the league. It just so happened that Jordan was so far ahead of the next guy that uh, it wasn't really a comparison. And so – Everybody's saying, "Hey, you know, we got the number one and and the and, and the number two guy at their position who's better." Yada yada yada. And Jordan basically said, "Clyde was a threat, but for people to compare him to me was offensive." That's big talk because Clyde is one of the fifty greatest players of all time. We just know Jordan is the top, right? So you're looking at that, and when you hear that, you're like, "Oh my God!" Like how competitive this guy is. Um, so he took it out on the Trailblazers, you know, beat them, um, you know, and and there's a lot of history with that because the Trailblazers had an opportunity to pick Jordan with the second pick in the draft when he came out of uh, college. And they didn't. They picked Sam Bowie and they only picked Sam Bowie because they felt like Jordan and Clyde were the same player, same position. Uh, so they needed a big man. And if you know anything about basketball back in the day to win, you needed that big man. That's why the Rockets took Hakeem Olajuwon with the first pick. That's why guys like Patrick Ewing were always drafted first pick of the draft. So guys like, you know, Ralph Sampson and, you know, and and uh, 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 Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Shaq, um, you always see big men are always taken at the top of the draft because that's what rules the league at that time. So Jordan took it out. He took all his frustration out on, on – um, Clyde Drexler, and it wasn't even close to Bulls one in six games. Um, but another thing that I know people are going to talk about is the dream team. And if you go look at the tape, one interesting comment that Jordan said that, you know, that kind of threw me off a little bit was he said, uh, you know, Magic was the best point guard he's ever seen play, and Isaiah is number two. He's right behind him. And he said he respects his game. Uh, but he said, no matter how much I hate him, I can't take that away from him. So that suggests to me that he still hates the man. And it's like, what did he do to him? I mean, did he beat him up? I mean, I mean, like, what did he do to him? I mean, 
I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Like, what is the beef with Jordan and Isaiah Thomas? Uh, Jordan dethroned Isaiah Thomas. Just like Isaiah Thomas had to go through the Magics and the Birds and kind of dethrone them so that they can get their two titles. And then Jordan dethrones them. And I know the handshaking thing, but, man, get over it. How do you not like Isaiah Thomas for the handshaking thing when Dennis Robin was on that team? He joined your team. John Sally was on that team. He didn't shake your hand. He ended up playing for the Bulls for a year and got a championship with he, you know, you know, with with the Bulls, I think in that 97 season. Uh, you know, I just don't get it. And maybe it's not for us to get, guys. Maybe it is not for us to get, but um I think we missed out on some great basketball. We saw some of the Greatest players of all time. Everybody on that team were Hall of Famers, with the exception of Christian Layton. He was the one college kid that got picked. And every everybody else in that team were Hall of Famers. And it would have been amazing to see an Isaiah Thomas throw an alley-oop to a Scotty or Michael Jordan. I mean, just to kind of break the barriers. Because everybody knows sports. What it does is it does break the barriers. It lets everybody know that when you're in that same locker room, no matter how much you hate each other, or how much you thought you hated each other, you're all alike. And when you're on the same team and you got to be in the same team for a while, it's not an all-star game, right? It's not like you're on the same team for a couple minutes and you have a couple of practices. This is for an Olympics. And so you're going for a gold medal, you know, like for your country. And it's, it's a shame to not see those two get over their differences and play with each other. I mean, like, damn, look at Larry Bird barely played. Think about that for a minute. His back was so jacked up. They put him in for a couple minutes a game, and then he went to the sidelines, laid in the stomach all, all game, the rest of his back. I mean, he barely played. Like That was no disrespect to the great Bird. He was an amazing and great player, definitely one of the top five players to ever play this game. But what did he contribute to the Dream Team besides being Bird? You know, I know I'm, I'm going out on a limb saying that, but he basically set out. I mean, he, he didn't play. He was hurt. But he was in the dream team. And uh, I get it. Maybe the camaraderies, you know, Bird was, you know, a guy that they wanted to be able to get that first gold medal for for the dream team, for people who were the true, no kidding, some of the pioneers for this generation. I get it. But Isaiah Thomas should have been in that team. Should have been in that team. There's a couple of players that weren't better than him that were in that team. And I'm not going to get into that, but it is what it is. So talking about the dream team, talking about the Olympics that year. Uh, Tony Kukoc, man, <laughs> poor Tony Kukoc. Uh, they played for the gold medal against the Bulls. I mean, I thought, I'm sorry, against the Dream Team. You know, um, so they played two games. They played like in a, I guess, like a semifinals game, and then they played in the finals game against them, or a quarterfinal, something like that. Excuse me. Excuse me, guys. I had to yawn. I'm, it's like almost one o'clock here, guys. However, the backstory with Tony Kukoc is Jerry Cross drafted Tony Kukoc, um, and he drafted him during the time that Pippen wanted to renegotiate his contract, or or Pippen was going to sign his new contract. Well, I think it was that seven-year, eighteen million-dollar contract. So Jerry Krause, as the GM, does his GM job, and his GM job is to go find the talent. And so he went to Croatia and saw the guy play overseas and, and, and saw him in the Euro leagues or whatever league that he played in. And he drafted him in a draft. And Tony Kukos didn't come over to play for the Bulls. Like 
his first two years, you know, after being drafted, he stayed in Croatia because he was making, you know, a couple million dollars a year, which was uh, a significant amount more money than what he was making, than what he would have made in the NBA. So he stayed over there and then he just didn't want to leave because, you know, they had a war going on at that time in that area. And he wanted to be close, I guess, to his family and not just leave um, because of the situation at hand. So in the Olympics, the first game that the Dream Team played against Croatia, Pippen and Jordan took it to him. They straight murdered the kid. And you kind of feel bad because, you know, for a good coach, because it's, it's not his fault that Jerry Krause was doing his job. He's doing his due diligence, which is as a GM, is supposed to get the best players possible. Uh, but the second game, you know, was the finals and the Bulls, not the Bulls, the dream team ended up winning. However, Kukoc had a good game. He had a really good game. He's a tough kid, right? I mean, you got to think his country's going through war. You think a basketball game where he gets dogged out of game is going to kill him? No, he's good, good player, good, solid player in the league for a while. Um, so uh, my question about this, my comment about this, I understand. Jerry Krause did a lot of bad things for the Bulls. We all did a lot of great. I, mean, I wouldn't even say a lot of bad things. He did a lot of great things for the Bulls. Um, he's the one who kind of traded for this tall, skinny, lanky kid named Scottie Pippen that was drafted by the Seattle Supersonics that nobody knew about. He went overseas and did his due diligence uh, to go get a Tony Kukoc, right, which is what – Greg Popovich does every year. He goes and finds that guy that nobody knows about, and he puts him on his team, and they see you know they're a freaking all-star. He traded away Jordan's homie, uh, Charles Oakley, to get Bill Cartwright. All right? Um, Later on, he goes and gets a a Dennis Rodman uh, because he can help him win. So as a GM, the man was doing his job. Where I think Jerry Krause went wrong is that he wanted – uh, a lot more of the shine than was given to him as a GM. And and that's where the fine line comes in. You know, that's when the people in the front office want to be as famous as the player. And that's never going to happen because play, the people don't associate the team with the GM. They associate the team with the player. They associate the Bulls with Jordan. They associate the Bulls with Pippen. They associate the Bulls with a Horace Grant, who also Jerry Krause drafted, um, you know, I think later on in the draft. And so, you know, he was very monumental in that Bulls team because he helped construct it. He helped build it. And he just wanted a little bit of the credit and I get it. And so when you don't get some of the credit, um, you become a little uh, uh, dissatisfied. You become um, you feel like people don't appreciate what you're doing. And so I think there should have been some give and take on both ends. Jerry Krause should have bowed down a little bit, but the guy shouldn't have disrespected him as much as he should. But that's neither here nor there. I, I wasn't in those in those meetings, those conversations. Hell, I was a 12-year-old kid at the time, probably watching those games, or a 10, 11-year-old 10, kid. So, yeah. Um, what do you do with that? I mean, like, how do you how do you uh how do you come back from situations like that where you got a guy like Jerry Krause who 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 technically built this team, technically had the the forethought to know that that triangle offense was going to be something amazing. So he put his the guy who he brought up from Kansas State, Tex, and married up Phil Jackson with him. He got he kind of stole Phil Jackson away, brought him on as an assistant coach, had him groom had Tex groom him so that he can take Doug Collins' job. So I mean, there's a lot of forethinking there, a lot of strategy. And everybody benefited. 
I think where Jerry Krause went wrong was when he decided that he wanted to rebuild this team and one of the biggest assets that he could get rid of to get more talent to put around Michael was to get rid of Scottie Pippen, who was arguably a top five player in the league at that time. And I think Jerry Krause was thinking, if I can get rid of that, a top five player and bring in some young assets, we can run this team back and and do it and refresh it. And then once we refresh this thing, I can set the team up for championships, more championships along the way, and not just be settled at the six. Maybe we can have nine or ten later on and turn some of this into some draft picks and some great players. Uh, but that's but that's the sneaky part of business, right? Is it's a business. And I think what players don't realize is sports is a business. You know, we all want loyalty. You know, I'm in the military. I want loyalty, you know. Um, but guess what? Uh, there's no loyalty unless it's your own and it's not your own. So it's not loyalty. It's a business and you can be replaced. Uh, you know, just like in the military, if something happens to me tomorrow, guess what? The job's going to keep going on. And I think in the sports world, it's the same, it's, it's the same way. It's that no matter what happens, the job's going to keep going on. And it might not go on at the same heights, but guess what? Those billionaires are still going to be billionaires. It's a business. Um, so there could have been some give and take on both sides. I think the players probably could have respected Cross a little bit more. I think Cross could have backed off. And if you if you would have backed off, I think the players would have given him the respect that uh, he probably was uh, wanting. So let's talk about a few more things, guys. Um the Jordan Rules book by Sam Smith. So, you know, uh, it's kind of opened up a whole new can of worms, you know, on Jordan, um, you know, about the gambling and 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 other different things that w- was going on with Jordan. So, you know what, let's talk about that, guys, on the second end of this uh, podcast, right? So we'll go to a small commercial break, guys, and I'll get back with you. All right, guys, and we're back. So, I got a question for you guys. You know, we were talking about the uh, about the Sam Smith book, um, the Jordan Rules. Who Jordan basically thinks that Horace Grant kind of dimed him out and told everything about him. But you know, like B.J. Armstrong said, it couldn't have just been Horace. It could have been coaches and other players. You know, Jordan wasn't the most well liked player on the team. Uh, you know, when you have a, a leader who is great and is very demanding, um, some people get rubbed the wrong way. You know, you see it in every organization. You know, because when you're really great at something that you do, when other people can't reach the same heights that you can, uh, you get frustrated. You know, we all understand if you have children, right? Like you've, you've lived life. I'm, you know, a certain age I've lived life. I've had a bunch of years on this earth. I've been in the military for some time and I know how to do things, but when my kid can't do something, I'm like, why can't you just figure it out? You know, but he's a child. So it, it takes time. And that's the same way when it comes to great leaders is you might not be able to teach them, right away how what it is that you do and even if you teach them they might not be physically able to do the same things because they don't have your talent so it's 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 hard when somebody's really great and winning fuels them and uh and it's at all costs winning at all costs not trying to hold your hands be friends it's winning at all costs it's a game so we're trying to win right so you know once those reports start to come out Jordan uh, started to have a little bit of um, his armor chiseled off him a little bit. Uh, so, you know, you, you kind of get into a situation where he becomes human. 
And we were looking at Jordan, um, let's be honest, as a basketball god. And this is when we have to look at and, and understand that our favorite entertainers, which is what sports is, is entertainment, is 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 uh, they're human also. You know, they're not immortal. They're mortal beings also. So um, with this part of the podcast, I kind of want to dig into a conversation of um, should our athletes, uh, should they comment on on issues that are politically driven? Should they comment on issues that are socially driven? You know, so like, what do you guys think? Um, because when you start to dig into this last episode and you see uh, Jordan with the gambling um, and his gambling has kind of got him into a, a few incidents, not as far as money incidents, because he had the money to pay his debts. That's like, I wouldn't even call him debts. He just gambled, you know? So uh, did he have a problem? Some might say, yeah. Um, some might say no, but what do you, how do you look at your favorite athlete if 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 that's their main source of uh, entertainment? I don't have a problem with it. If he wants to gamble, he wants to gamble. But some of the things that he was doing was a little bit sketchy here. So let's take a look at this guy, Slim Bowler. Right? Uh, looks like Jordan wrote him a fifty-seven thousand dollars check because Jordan didn't go to the White House when they won their second or third championship. I think it was their second championship. He was out playing golf with this guy, Slim Bowler. Uh, lost to him to the tune of fifty-seven thousand dollars, so he had to write him a check for fifty-seven grand. Now, the sketchy part about this is Slim Bowler ended up getting indicted, I guess, on drug charges, um, trafficking, and things of that nature. And they had to call Jordan to the stand. Um, and so Jordan said he gave him a loan initially, and said he was embarrassed to to say that he had lost the money to him. He had to write him a check for gambling. He didn't want that information to come out there. And I just feel like, uh, you know. A lot of things go on behind closed doors in sports, and sports and and more so back then because we didn't have social media and things of that nature. But just think about some of your favorite athletes and, um, you know, if 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 they had that kind of company around, think of the greatest players that you that you've seen had that kind of company around them. You know, so what do you do? What do you how would you feel about that? You know, that's this is a convicted drug drug dealer or trafficker, you know, whatever he is. You know, so Slim Bowler, what do you do? Um, also, let's talk about the political side of the house. Now, some of our favorite athletes um, from Muhammad Ali's to uh, the, uh, um, oh, man, who else? LeBron's, um, uh, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, the Jim Brown's, uh, Dwayne Wade's and Chris Paul's. Um, have all stood up for social justice issues and they've all stood up um, to, to help endorse, um, I guess, uh, uh, people who are running for office um, who could potentially help and aid other people that look like them and have been through some of the struggles that they've been in. So if you guys remember guys, uh, you know, so Harvey Gantt uh, ran for Senator, um, you know, in the state of North Carolina He's running against one of the, you know, the most racist senators that uh, you can think of. And, um, you know, I guess George's mother wanted him to endorse, uh, you know, Mr. Gant. And Jordan didn't do it. And he made the comment, guys, uh, you know, that, hey, you know, 
why would I do that? Because Republicans buy shoes too, you know, and, um, should you, should you look for your athlete to be a socially, I mean, a, a active participant and speaking on political issues, um, I'm kind of indifferent about this, you know, as a black male, you know, we don't have a lot of, you know, black uh, males who are that successful. You know, it's sad to say, but a lot of our success stories are in the entertainment business and in sports business. And I look at sports as entertainment. So you have your LeBrons, you have your Muhammad Ali's, your Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's and your Jim Brown's. I mean, you just think about that. Now we have, a, you know, an Obama who is, you know, uh, a president you know, or, you know, a former president, um, you know, you have other people who have built, uh, fortunes and have, um, you know, some clout with them that when they say something, it, it matters, but none other than guys who are sports and especially a guy who is the best player to ever play his game. Do you think Jordan should have, uh, um, been a little bit more politically driven as far as speaking up on certain things, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the fine line when stuff like that happens because you just don't want to tarnish your image. You know, if you say something that uh, a subset of people who buy your products don't agree with, and then it, it's, it's a fine line as, um, you know, hey, I'm going to say this because I think it's right. You know, and I understand what Jordan was saying in, in the documentary. So he didn't, he didn't know the guy, but, but what he did was he did send them you know, some money for his campaign, but he wasn't going to, you know, outwardly endorse him. And I, I, I totally understand that. But then it's, it's, it's like you have to look at the alternative, too. And the alternative ended up getting elected to that Senate seat. And the alternative was somebody who was pretty, pretty outwardly racist. And it kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? So um, what do you do? What do you do? That's a hard, a hard, you know, situation for me. I I, I don't know what I do. I know I, I would probably step up and say something because of all the things that are going on in, in, in this world, but it's a different time now. So we have an opportunity in that platform to do it and not feel like, you know, we are suppressed and saying, or feel like we have to um, kind of bow down and not say anything. And I'm not saying Jordan felt like that. Jordan just wanted to play ball. And, you know, like some people just want to play ball. Some people don't have an end to, to, to step up and, and do that, that right thing. Um, you know, I look at what the NBA players did with the I can't breathe shirts on when, um, you know, when, uh, you know, Eric Garner got choked out, um, you know, the Donald Sterling thing with with the Clippers and all the players, you know, basically basing that they were going to boycott it if 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 he was still the owner of the Clippers, uh, you know, so there's been a lot of instances to the Trayvon Martin, you know, you know, incident where. LeBron and the, and the whole Heat team, Dwayne Wade, they wore hoodies and took a picture. You know, it's like some of these issues affect not just the people that it happened to, but it, it affects the masses. And I think sometimes the people who have the biggest voice and have the opportunity to touch the most people are the people who are famous. You know, so that is your LeBron James. That is your Michael Jordan. That is your... Your your Michael Jackson back in the day, or that is your Dwayne Wade, that is your Jim Brown. So, you know, just have to think about that. What do you guys think about that? Should your athletes be involved with uh, politics? And I'm not saying be involved with politics like they're going to run for office, but um, should they be 
speaking up on certain issues if they believe in those issues or not? Or do they just shut up and dribble, like the girl from Fox News said? So just think about that, guys. But I know, guys, it's time for me to get out of here. It's late. So like I always end this, guys, do you, man. Don't be afraid to fail. I'll grow your environment. Understand your brilliance, man. You know, it's corner. I'm out, baby.